Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Beat me up on the mamas of all mama shit. Hey, I'm looking through my telescope and I see a mothership. Is that you? Beat me up. Hey, DA, I'm thirsty, man. Could you beat me up for a cold one? Hey, DA, what's going on, baby? Stop me off and beat me up. DA wants the silly Oh, permission to get in that mothership. Is my window seat still available? Beat me up. What's going on, DA? Hey, man, I need you to do me a huge favor. My co-worker's a jerk. Oh, just beat me up, man. Get beamed up. Everyone else has. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah! Happy being alive day, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. And a good Wednesday to you. Coming your way this hour on the show. Sam Acho is going to join us. ESPN college football analyst. we got some good news today. He's promoting the good works team in college football. Some studs like Will Shipley and Blake Corum, amongst others, are doing wonderful things in the community. Young people getting involved, young people who care, things like that I love. I love those stories, so I'm glad Sam is going to join us. Also, Sam was a Longhorn, so we'll talk to him about the UT win in Tuscaloosa over the weekend that woke him up, woke everybody up. Also, this hour on the show, there is worry in Chicago that the Bears are ruining Justin Fields again. But let's begin with college football this weekend. The Tennessee Volunteers at number 11 open up their SEC play on the road in the swamp against the Florida Gators. And I look at this matchup and I think about the glory years of this rivalry, specifically the Peyton Manning years of the late 90s, where this matchup oftentimes decided the SEC championship. And that Peyton Manning, for all of his glory, for all of his incredible success and abilities, unable to beat Florida. That was the bugaboo. That was the Achilles heel. He just could not get through Spurrier and the Gators. And time and time and time and time again, somehow they just perplexed him. And those matchups were always so highly anticipated. There was so much on the line. And two great SEC East rivals with a lot going into those games, those were barn burners. And it's kind of taken a backseat for a long time. Because one or the other's been good. Usually it's been the Gators being good since then and Tennessee being bad. And think about the the revolving door of mediocre to awful head coaches that the Vols have had over the years. And the Gators have kind of kept it going and they've won a couple of championships since the Spurrier years. And no matter what you think about Urban Meyer, and I don't think much in terms of integrity, but... The guy won a lot of football games. Those Gator teams were remarkably good. And now they're featured as part of the documentary series on Netflix, Swamp Kings. So 
You know, it's been one or the other. They've been good. And it's kind of happening again where Tennessee's now on the up and Tennessee's a top 15 team. They're ranked number 11. Their undefeated. Their offense is one of the best in the nation. And the Gators are struggling. The Gators are trying to figure out who they are. Now they're coming off a win over McNeese State. So it's not like you could take away a lot from that. But the Gators got embarrassed against Utah in week number one. And so you kind of wonder where this thing is going to go for Billy Napier. And I, I know there's already Gators fans that are getting annoyed, impatient, that they haven't seen more out of the Napier era. And this is this is a big one for Napier because there's already worries about whether he's the right guy and whether he can can bring back the glory this one's at the swamp. And if if Tennessee goes there and hangs 40 on the Gators and wins this game easily in front of the, the Gator faithful, Napier's not going to have much leash left. Now, the last two seasons, the Gators have actually put up really good yards and a lot of points on Tennessee. And so this is not a, a guarantee for Tennessee Last time Tennessee went to the Swamp, the Gators were actually ranked number 11 and beat Tennessee in 2021, 38-14. Gators put up 505 yards of offense. Last year, Tennessee won in Knoxville, 38-33, but the Gators had nearly 600 yards of offense. This is a big one for Tennessee because they're a much better program right now than the Gators. They can kind of, the Gators are kind of climbing up the stairs, push them back down. Like the Santa, the mall Santa in a Christmas story, stepping on Ralphie's head and pushing them back down that slide. You shoot your eye out. That's what Tennessee needs to do on Saturday to the Gators. Keep them down. Keep them down. Because the Vols have right now the the place in the power structure of the SEC where on that side of the SEC, the SEC East, they are the best contenders, the best competitors to the challengers to Georgia. They got to stay that way and going to the swamp is not easy, but they're, they're in a better, healthier place. And they're recruiting a lot of the same types of kids, same areas, same high schools, same regions, this one is always big because of the history involved, but it's specifically big for both coaches. Hype will need to keep separation between him and the Florida Gators program, and Napier desperately needs a signature win. Desperately. Should be good. This is a night kick from the swamp, 7 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. God, I wish I was there. That would be a good, that would be a good party to be at. On Twitter, hit me up, DA on CBS, Sprint Car Dad tweets, good morning, you guys, and to all the DA aliens, thanks for the entertainment and sports talk. It's been kind of hard to listen this week because I had surgery and it hurts to laugh. Unintended consequence of listening to the show. You might laugh a lot. And if you've just had surgery, that could hurt. But this is the gamer that we're looking for. Sprint Car Dad, surgery under the knife, Getting back at it, listening to the show. Now, the question is, is he a BT guy? Committed is, to the cause. But, yes. Is, I mean, is BT going to like people laughing? 
and not being able to do their job. I don't know. It, 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 it's kind of on the fence with that one. I think that for Justin, sprint car dad, if he's looking to rehab, BT might be the best thing for him. To drive him to a spot he didn't think he could get to. You know what, guys? Why don't we play the entire BT clip again? I can't get enough of this. If you wanted to get fired up, here's Brandon Tierney, noted Jets fan yesterday on WFN in New York. And four plays in, he's done. He's done! Do not tell me today that the season is over. Get up! Stop walking around work like a loser! Get your act together! We're playing until January! There is no way that I'm tapping out now. No chance. If you didn't kill us last night, we are unkillable. I have Zach's back. I'm not saying Super Bowl, but I am saying playoffs with Zach. Are you ready for some football? A Monday night party! God, that gets me fired up. Oh, now I'm ready. I'm ready for the rest of the show. Three hours going to zoom by because I'm amped up. We are unkillable! If you had BT coaching you up in life, what couldn't you accomplish? Nothing. The answer is nothing. Joshua tweets, this is the time of year that it smells like a skunk every morning I get into my rig. Stands to reason that they're bound to wander into minor league fields. Is this skunk season? I don't know. Again, I mean, I was at I was at Martha's Vineyard in around this time. It was like around like late summer, early fall, and skunks are very rampant there. And it was like we were seeing like five or six packs. Like packs of skunks. Packs? Packs of skunks. They travel in packs? They do. Yes, at least in Martha's Vineyard. You'll see three, four, five, six all traveling together. That's why I'm saying. Oh, like, that's scary. Bogus was saying, oh, I don't know about the, like, you see five or six skunks? Again, think about that smell that you're going to live with if they see you and say, that's food. That scares me. Well, I don't think skunks would look at a human and say, that's food. That's my meal. I no, think- but, but I mean, like, they, for them, like, the whole... The, it's a it's a reaction to being like, oh, you, you're gonna mess with me. All right, right. watch this. A That's defense. what I mean. It's more yeah. of like a a flex. Yeah, it's so, a flex. Yeah, so they see me and you know my you know me just kind of just oh, where's where's the next seafood spot? And they're like, oh, look at this, look at this bozo walking around <laughs> our territory. Let's show him who's boss. You know, it's like walking around you know a gangland. You know, they're like, you know, this is our set. This is our territory. <laughs> that is a scary sight to me. I wanted no part of it. A pack of skunks is kind of like gangland. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and you see them at night, too. That's when they really travel in packs, because we were seeing them at night. And then you turn a corner and think about that. You just see the four or five white streaks. You barely see the actual bodies. <laughs> EJ Stewart is in for the executive producer spot the next couple of days here on the show. People were questioning yesterday whether Aaron Rodgers is going to play again. There's not a doubt in my mind he plays again. Not a doubt in my mind. 
It might only be for one year. He might be on one Achilles, one good Achilles. There is no way Rodgers goes down for the rest of his career in that in that moment of weakness. He's just this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment and maybe it is. I don't know. But his ego will not allow for that to be the last image of his football career. It will not allow. And he is going to fight through this rehab and come back and I think that Aaron Rodgers became intoxicated with being the hero, with being the reason. And I don't think it's necessarily all artificial, but I do think that coming out of Green Bay, he knew there was a bit of a skunk stink on him. You know, he had he had caused a lot of rifts in that organization with the coach, with Gunty, Gunty, my man. Fans had to choose. Jordan Love got stuck in the middle of this blender, and he did all the interviews with with McAfee and, and sometimes said some controversial things or had people that disagreed with him. And I he knew that. He knew all of that. And, you know, he had flamed out how many times in big spots over the last couple of years. Last year, was he going to retire following losing at home to the Lions? In week 18. So I think that he he wanted a spot for redemption. He wanted a place where, you know, he could be hero again. And he found it and he started doing it and it was awesome. And he was really good at it. He was really good at playing the hero. He was saying the right things, doing the right things. He was on hard knocks looking like the, the missing piece he embraced the challenge of the history of the Jets being failures, and he wanted to change the whole narrative and do it in New York, the biggest city. And I just don't think you you walk to the to the foot of that mountain and go, I can't wait for this hike. I can't wait to summit this. And then, you know, you bust your Achilles before you take your first step up the mountain and go, now nah, I'm not going to do the mountain ever again. I don't think that's the way he's wired. There is no way that's the last play of his NFL career. Now, the bigger question is not will he play again because he will. He's going to kill himself to come back and play for the Jets. The bigger question is twofold. Number one, and we got a lot of time to talk about this, but number one, is he a shell of himself at 40 years old coming off a torn Achilles? I mean, think about how much of his effectiveness is mobility. Think about how much of his effectiveness is sliding around the pocket and creating a play. If he does not have nimble legs to do the things that his arm can do as well, he's just not Aaron Rodgers anymore. Number two, it might only be a 5% chance, maybe a 10% chance, maybe less. What what happens if Zach Wilson's actually great this season? And by mid-October, like, holy crap, he looks like the number two pick in the NFL draft. He looks like a Trevor Lawrence type. He looks like a franchise guy. And then at the end of the season, you're like, well, we don't want to stunt Zach Wilson's growth by going back to Rodgers at 40. Again, I think that's highly unlikely, but... 
both of those are potential realities after the season. He, This is not his last play. But is he what we thought after it? And is the job not as guaranteed to him a year from now? We'll talk some college football. Sam Acho, ESPN analyst, former Longhorn as well, talking about the UT win over Alabama on Saturday and some good guys doing good things around college football as well. Next, DA, CBS Sports Radio. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to CBS Sports Radio, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. DA with you. College football is great for its on-the-field product, its pomp, its circumstance, the bands, the drama, but how about off the field as well? Some of these guys are doing some amazing things, and they are being honored by Allstate with the AFCA Good Works team as well. The list has been unveiled. Some big names, some small colleges, everything in between. And joining us to talk a little college football is a guy who was on this team, a Good Works team member himself, back during his Texas days, a little over a decade ago, ESPN analyst and author, Sam Acho. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing great, Damon. Glad to be on with you. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Hey, how'd you feel about your Longhorns going to Tuscaloosa and roughing up the tide? I was excited. It was a great win. I was in studio for the game. And so it's been a couple of years since Alabama has lost a game at home non-conference. So it was great to watch that uh, from the studio. I know I was surprised that they were able to handle their business that way against a Tide team that always has pretty good defense, great home field advantage, one of the great coaches, if not the best coaches ever, was there any surprise by you that the Longhorns did what they did as seemingly as easy as they did it, a 10-point win? I wouldn't say surprise. I think the team has been building toward this moment since they lost the game last year in Austin, even since Sark came three years ago. And so they've known they've been going to the SEC. So I think they've been preparing for a moment like this. Going into the SEC, who knows what the rest of the season looks like, but going to the SEC, that's got to be a real confidence booster for the program going into maybe the toughest conference in college football next season, don't you think? Yeah, I think they're exciting. So we've got the Good Hands team, the Good Works team, rather, that uh, that you're helping bring some attention to, and we've got some really great players on this team. What specifically are the attributes that you guys look for for the the players, the athletes that are that are named here? Well, the great thing about the All-State AFCA Good Works team is that it recognizes players not just for their on-the-field achievements, but their off-the-field endeavors, specifically when it comes to community service. And so people like Will Shipley, who's a star running back for the Clemson Tigers, but he's donated to a foundation called the Paw Foundation, right? Passionate about winning to help players as they transition outside of football. He spends time uh, with, with children's hospitals, right? People like that, people like Blake Corum, right? Another great running back in his own, right? One of the best backs in all of college football last year, but he's been a part of groups that have donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to different organizations. He also uh, does a lot of work in his community. So when it comes to helping kids and doing football camps, like there are so many things that we don't see behind the scenes that players that that players are doing 
nonstop. And so those are just a few of the names that are impressive. But I mean, if you go back to the list of this Good Works team over the last several years, people like Tim Tebow have been on this list, Peyton Manning, Coach Dabo Sweetie, their coaches. And so for me, it just it's a testament to the great work that the players are doing when no one is watching. These guys go to practice. They have to be in meetings. They play on Saturdays. They travel as well. They have to balance schoolwork also in there. So where do you find time? You did it, but how do these guys, how did you find time in the middle of all that to also be involved in community endeavors? Well, so I was a member of the All-State Good Works team back in 2010, my senior year at the University of Texas. We had just played a national championship in 2009, and my, my junior year, we had a bunch of guys go to the NFL. But even what I realized is this. I realized that the main benefit you get from serving off the field Sometimes it actually shows up on the field as well. What I mean by that is like the best players I've been around, people who have been on this good work team, people like Trevor Lawrence, he's been on this team as well. They are constantly serving in their community. So it's not about finding time. People are going to find the time for the things that they care about. Even in my career in college, I would go to Nigeria every summer with my family. We would do medical mission trips because we cared about the people there. My parents are from there. We actually built a hospital out there. And it, it didn't take away from football. If anything, it probably enhanced my perspective of the opportunity that I had to be on the football field. And so that was just one thing that I did when I was in college, but even professionally, I know I got a chance to do different nonprofit things and fundraisers, whether going to hospitals or even raising money for different charities and organizations. I even wrote a book about some of this work. It's called Change Starts With You, Following Your Fire to Heal a Broken World. You may even ask, how do you have time to write a book or do this work, all these things. Players find time for the things that they care about. Every single player on this list, the 11 from the FBS division, there's 11 from FCS, Division II, Division III, NAIA, there's an honorary coach. We all have found time for this work because this work matters. Sam Acho joins us, ESPN analyst, author, and he's here to shed some light on the Good Works team. Now, some would say that a modern generation is self-indulgent. They're in their phones. They're on social media. And yet, I think that there's a more of an awareness of global issues, community endeavors, things like this. Do you feel like you're seeing that part of a younger generation when you speak to and you search or you research and study guys that are on this team and other people like them? Without a doubt. I got a chance to spend time with some of the people who are not only on this team, but also some of the people who I've spent time with in the college ranks, right? And so you think about it, these players are doing outstanding work as football players. But you go and chance to talk to some people who are on this good work team. We're constantly having people having conversations of, man, I want to do more. How can I do more? Hey, how can I part? How can we partner together, especially with, with NIL, right? All state and the American Football Coast Association have actually used NIL to help support players and their charities. And so, though this landscape is changing in college football, all state, AFCA, and these players are saying, how can we leverage the changing landscape to help and serve? in our communities. And so there are places in Michigan that Blake Corum goes and serves, or even go to Clemson, South Carolina, Will Shipley goes and serves, go down the list on and on and on. These players are leveraging their platform, both physically, financially, emotionally, socially, to give back to their communities. And it's something that I'm so glad that we're all applauding. You feel like now college football players are feel feeling more empowered to do good things, both I guess from an attention standpoint, but also from uh, trying to make positive change. Do you feel that more so than when you played? 
No, I don't, I don't think college athletes are more in, empowered. I mean, for the last 30 years, all state, the AFC, AFCA, uh, good works team have been recognizing players for what they've done. Like that goes back for three decades. And so I think now because of NIL, maybe there's a little bit more awareness towards it. But I, and I don't want to age myself, but, but 2010 was 13 years ago and I was doing this work. And even before that, Peyton Manning, I was about to think back in 97, Peyton Manning was on this team. And so we're going back two decades and three decades. Players have always been in their community doing the work. And I couldn't be happier that not only Allstate, not only is the not only being a part of this Allstate AFCA Good Works team is giving them recognition, but we're getting a chance to talk about it on a national stage because of how excellent they are both physically as a football player, but also in their communities as people. Sam Acho is our guest here on the show. Okay, how can our listeners vote on some of these players? Well, that's a great thing. So, like, there's a there's, so one of the great things is the is this team has been set. It's been voted on by members of the media. It's been voted on also by former winners. Um, and so there, so it, you know, you can go to the, the website and be able to find out more about um, what the players are doing. Right, you just type in Allstate AFCA Good Works team and it'll pop right up. But one of the great things is that the people who are voting for this actually have seen and have searched and have got to know some of these players. Um, and now they're actually saying, hey, this is a this has been condensed from a list of over 100 different nominees. And now we're picking the top 22. And so, like, it's been dwindled down. And that's one of the great things. You get a chance to go and check out if there's a player from your team that got a chance to make this good work team. And if they didn't, right, because usually it's the sports information directors, the SIDs for the teams are the ones who are nominating their athletes. Like, if somebody from your team hasn't made it yet, maybe you and your community, could do a, we could all do a better job of, amplifying the work that we're all doing very cool the good works team is a bunch of young men that are really doing cool stuff so it's very uplifting to see hey and how about before we let you go what's happening at colorado as well how amazing is what dion's doing with the buffaloes yeah it's unbelievable um, i got a chance to be at the game on the sideline in week one tcu versus colorado and and the amount of the amount of power that happens with belief and love like that's one thing you hear from this team they consistently say i believe they talk about how much they love one another and sacrifice one another it's 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 palpable and that's the same kind of feeling that i get and that i see when i meet some of these guys on this good work team darian renter he went to clemson last year he was on this team and like i i got a chance to speak to the clemson football team a few weeks ago and D. Wrench, the guy who was on the All-State AFCA Good Works team, we've connected because he does stuff in media. Well, I'm FaceTiming him while I'm in Clemson. And now Will Shipley, the guy who I got a chance to talk to when I was at Clemson, now he's on that team as well. So it really is a family. It's a community. And so that same power that you see in team and community, we're seeing it in what players are doing in their communities with the All-State AFCA Good Works team. Very cool. Sam Acho. Author, ESPN analyst, and helping spread the word of the Allstate AFCA Good Works team. Joining us this morning on the show. Sam, keep up the great work, man. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. Thanks, Sam Acho, joining us. This portion of the show is sponsored by the United States Postal Service. Introducing USPS Ground Advantage, reliable and affordable two- to five-day package shipping. The United States Postal Service. Squishy Liquid tweets, hey, DA, two things about that Harrisburg Stadium where they had the skunk delay. Number one, the broadcast of the games is on the same affiliate as your show. Number two, the play-by-play guy makes sure to say the T in Senators every time. Makes me think of Gelb and the Titans, which drives me nuts. Now, infamously, 
Zach Elb has said the D as the second team Titans. Titans, Tennessee Titans. However, DA Show Quotes says he listened to Gelb. No Titans was said in three and a half hours that he listened that perhaps Gelb has corrected the Titans. Titans! Wait, so he said Titans, or he just never didn't say the team name at all because they didn't really deserve it the way they were playing on Sunday? Yeah, DA Show Quotes says he said Titans. Wow, so we've won the battle. If that was a battle. I'm going to dispute this. Okay. And I love Zach, <laughs> and I'm his producer on Sunday morning. Is uh, You know, on Ion Football, of course, I'm the producer for you as well on uh, Sunday morning football. I mean, on Sunday, it, it was definitely Titans. So he did say Titans. Definitely. With well, a T. With a, no, it was a D. Oh, with a D. So, uh, to me, I noticed it because I, I never worked with Zach and had him talk about the Tennessee Titans. So, there was a show where he had to, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to say Titans. But, okay. Hmm. Interesting. So, you're saying he used the D, the Titans. Yes. Now, maybe he corrected himself since, but on Sunday, I, I the D was there. EJ is my producer this year, taking over for Connor Green on Sunday morning football, and he also dovetails into Gelb with Ion Football after me. So, Bogue, sounds like we have a controversy brewing on our hands. It sounds wow! like it sounds like maybe Zach's in the process of fixing it. Ah, maybe to workshopping. Yeah, like he's, he's it's you know it's a it's a big change from that D to a T. So maybe it's going to take a couple of weeks to make it officially fully sound like Titans from Titans. Well, you know, there is one guy that I know could get you to straighten up and fly right very quickly. Mm. He's an intense individual. He demands the best. And if you are a little slipshod in your performance, I know a guy that'll get you Satan Titans, Titans right away. And four plays in, he's done. He's done. Do not tell me today that the season is over. Get up. Stop walking around work like a loser. Get your act together. We're playing until January. There is no way that I'm tapping out now. No chance. If you didn't kill us last night, we are unkillable. I have Zach's back. Yep. I'm not saying Super Bowl, but I am saying playoffs with Zach. Titans. Let's get him a new chair, P.S. No, that actually was the microphone. Oh, that's right. He's a big microphone shaker guy. That's that right. was the microphone giving way. <laughs> Being ripped off its hinges. <laughs> I love that. I could listen to that all day long. I'm so fired up. I'm ready for the day. That needs to be in those arena montages, late fourth quarter, yes. third period. Yes. Team needs a rally. Yes. Is it newsrooms like, go to your windows, and that old guy <laughs> yeah, screaming like in the trench coat? Yeah, from. It's from Network, right? Is that from what? Network, yep. That's what that. That's out. That's old. Get it I'm out. I'm mad and I'm not going to take it anymore. Exactly. Now BT is in with get your act together. Stop walking around here like a loser. Get up and pronounce that T. And if you didn't kill us yet, we're unkillable is pretty much the best freaking inspirational <laughs> slogan ever. I, mean, I might print a t-shirt at, 
on this at Etsy after the show. ShopBT.com. I mean, I seriously, that's going to be my new slogan. If you haven't killed me yet, I'm unkillable. <laughs> Cut to BT's nine-year-old son going, Dad, it's just gym class. No. I don't care, no, Colt. Never just gym class. <laughs> we are unkillable. I love that. I love it. I love it. Hey, bosses, if you haven't canceled us yet, we're unkillable. <laughs> if the oopsie didn't do it, if the belch on the air didn't do it, if four different death by salsas didn't do it, if he who shall not be named singing lounge acts didn't do it, if multiple shows where we put definitely the entire company in legal <laughs> peril with just inviting listeners out to one of our houses didn't do it, we are unkillable. <laughs> if you're okay with Bradley Schwartz long-snapping mini donuts at Badlands Booker, then you can't say anything moving forward. We can't be stopped. Mr. Bogues has our headline. And they're sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. It was Freddie Freeman's 34th birthday last night. He got himself a home run. Walker delivers. There's a fly ball in the left center field. It's a long run, and it is gone. Happy birthday to you. Freddie Freeman with his 26th home run of the year goes the other way, and the Dodgers now have a 3 to nothing lead. Charlie Steiner on Dodgers. It's just amazing how often John Sterling inserts himself into random Major League Baseball booths around the country and just keeps getting hit by foul balls. This is the new pandemic. I mean, can we get... It's a very particular, specific one, but can we get John some protection here? He's like Magneto, and everything metal just sticks to him. <laughs> the ball just keeps finding him no matter where he is in the ballpark. Uh, Freeman had four hits, two RBI. He scored four times in an 11-2 route of the Padres in L.A. He had a cake and a huge box of cookies at his locker post game. Apparently... He specifically loves snickerdoodle cookies. So oh. do I. Mm. Uh, so the food crew at Dodger Stadium hooked him up for his birthday. Tell me about snickerdoodle cookies. Um, what's What else? Where are you familiar with snickerdoodle as a flavor? Well, okay. So snickerdoodle ice cream is Snickers in vanilla ice cream? No, no, no. Snickerdoodle is its own thing. It's like a cinnamon sugar kind of kind of concoction. Oh, nothing to do with Snickers. No, 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 no. Oh. Yeah, that's just Snickers. This is Snickerdoodle. It's a whole other <laughs> Look, thing. No Snickers involved. I'm very excited to to introduce you to this flavor profile. It's delicious. I feel like I've had it. So no Snickers were harmed in the making of Snickerdoodle. As far as I know, I mean, you've seen these cookies. They're like they've got the, like the. They're oh, usually like a. Yeah, they're often yeah, a third yeah, option: yeah, chocolate yeah, yeah, chip, yeah, maybe an oatmeal yeah. raisin, or yeah, the right. terrible like white chocolate like craisin kind of thing. Yeah. And then you got this bad boy. It's like a cinnamon sugar kind You're of contraption. Right. It's a cinnamon sugar. It's got nothing else to it. No chocolate. No, no, no. And it's delicious. Soft baked. That's good stuff. Really okay. underrated cookie. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Agreed. I, I bogus man of class <laughs> saying Snickerdoodle. Top, finally, top, top someone notices because <laughs> I like my Snickerdoodle cookie. <laughs> Again, down the hallway, 
flames are burning down the studio about what happens next, and we are debating snickerdoodle recipes. We are unkillable! <laughs> With a fine-tooth comb going through Matthew Stafford's contract, how can we get him to the Jets to replace Aaron Rodgers? Or snickerdoodle versus oatmeal raisin. You be the judge. Down the hallway, it's... Zach Wilson, you will win a Super Bowl. We will will you to this. Meantime, we're like, let's go, Jack. Snickerdoodles. We've got a whole tailgate full of snickerdoodles and pink hats. We're ready for this season. Let's go, Jets. I don't like cats. How did that Jets-Cowboys game go, by the way, this weekend, Jack? Uh... Jets did not lose that game. They did not. They're still undefeated. 2-0. Oh. <laughs> they win, won Win twice. over the Bills and win over the Cowboys. Uh, Let's go Jets! Snickerdoodles for everyone! Uh, the Brewers are a season-high 18 games over 500 after a 3-1 decision over the Marlins. And their NL Central League grows to four because the Cubs were 6-4 losers at Coors Field. The Diamondbacks, 7-4 losers at the Mets. While the Reds got a 6-5 win in Tanny in Detroit, so Cincy now a game behind Arizona for the last NL wildcard. The Giants a half game behind the Reds, losing at home to the Guardians 3-1. The Mariners snapped a four-game skid, 8-0 over the Angels. They're now tied for the last AL wildcard spot with the Blue Jays, 6-3 home losers to the Rangers. Max Scherzer left in the sixth of that one with right tricep spasms. He'll get an MRI. And the Cardinals cooled off the Orioles 5-2 with Adam Wainwright allowing just those two runs over five. His first W since mid-June. It leaves him one shy at 200. Today was a big step getting there. You know, I have, what, three starts left, so not much time. And uh, I knew I knew today would be a, a really important win for me if I could get it. Um, Luckily, we did. Wainwright is retiring after this season. Houston Rockets guard Kevin Porter Jr. arranged yesterday in Manhattan on felony charges connected to allegedly attacking his girlfriend in their hotel early Monday morning. The woman has now been diagnosed with a broken neck vertebrae. The Manhattan DA said Porter has a history of physically abusing her. She, uh, he was released on $75,000 bail, has a court date on October 16th. University of Kentucky offensive coordinator Liam Cohen's out of the hospital planning to work this weekend against Akron. The 37-year-old had a medical episode at team headquarters on Sunday. And while saying expansion is not high on their list of priorities right now, the NHL said Atlanta would be under consideration whenever expansion happens next. The Flames and the Thrashers didn't work there. Wow. But the league thinks most of those problems would no longer be problems. Huh. Yeah. I guess I'm not tapped in enough to know whether hockey could work long-term in Atlanta. Well, I will tell you this. They don't need more teams anywhere. Right. We're good. We covered finally the Pacific Northwest with the Kraken. Seattle, Vegas is still on the new side. They're good. They don't need more teams, more players. That league is fine as it is. Right, because they have 30 now, and that's what baseball and the NBA have. It is interesting, though, to think, that now the flames are a little different because that's a totally different economic reality than yeah. what the NHL is in today. But having just lost the Thrather, Thrashers seven, eight years ago? No, it's actually, I was surprised too. It was 2011. They've been gone for 12 years. Okay, 12 years. It'd be surprising to me if in 12 years 
the market of Atlanta changed so dramatically that they felt like it was a winning operation. So I think kind of what the Braves did they, with what they said yesterday was they would the arena would be outside Atlanta, and that's I think where Atlanta's huge growth is all the suburbs. Yeah. And getting into Atlanta sucks still. So this arena, the, this theoretical team, if it ever happened, would would be in a suburban area, which would help. Yeah. All those other issues. That makes sense. Yeah. But again, this is like double speculation. We're not expanding, but if we were to expand, we wouldn't immediately dismiss Atlanta. I mean, it's nothing even remotely close to imminent. Imagine getting three cracks at the <laughs> NHL. Man. At the NHL. Not football or anything like you'd really want to be in and keep trying again. Everybody in Quebec City is like, come on! Right. Poor Hamilton. All we do is watch hockey. Atlanta again? Right. We could do two teams right now in Quebec. Right. And you won't even give us one. Right. All right. Thank you, Bogues. When we come back here on the show, are the Chicago Bears ruining Justin Fields again? DA, CBS Sports Radio. Sports, welcome back. Thanks for being with us. You can always watch us on YouTube or on Twitch or on the Watch DA side of things as well. That's mobile friendly. You know, I'll be quite frank. I'm not a huge Justin Fields guy, and I also recognize and admit it might not be his fault, but the Bears again on Sunday, I just don't know how their fans can keep doing this. It's so much like pulling the football from Charlie Brown. Every year, they're trying to trick themselves into thinking that it's going to be different. It's a new era. It's the right coach. It's the right quarterback, and we keep seeing the same garbage Justin Fields was pathetic against the the Packers. I mean, the offense was just truly pathetic. And Green Bay, who was also breaking in a brand-new quarterback, didn't look like they had any hesitation moving the football. Now, I will readily admit that Justin Fields might just have been handed another bad set of tools around him. I mean, the offensive line got completely pushed around. The wide receivers did not get significant separation. And Matt Eberflus is a defensive coordinator. I mean, I just I don't understand how you can draft a high-end rookie QB, expect to put the ball in his hands, and then keep having defensive guys around, or at least in this case, defensive guys around. I mean, I know the Matt Nagy thing was a disaster as well, but to me, you got to try to find ways to unlock your young quarterback and that means your head coach should understand, be an expert on that side of the football. So Eberflus is a defensive guy. He he can't go into the lab with Justin Fields. And Fields just really, he, he rarely, if ever, puts together a couple of good games, maybe even a couple of good quarters in a row. We were like, oh, got it. Okay, he's starting to see it. He's starting to feel it comfortable. It just it never happens with him. And the the game plan on Sunday probably did not do him any favors. But is it because they don't trust him really going downfield? The whole game is a bunch of underneath throws. All it is is bubble screens and flares and short stuff. Is it because you don't trust your offensive line, you don't trust your quarterback, you don't trust your wide receivers, or you don't trust yourselves? I mean, I don't really see how Justin Fields can be 
a great player in this league if all you have him do is throw five-yard hitches. So I'll, I'll admit, much of this might simply be what's been put around him. Coaches, offensive line, etc. But at some point in time, Justin Fields is going to have to make plays and be a stud. He's going to have to do something where you walk away and go, all right, there's some momentum there. This Bears team hasn't won a football game since October. And it was that weird Monday nighter against the Patriots. They lost 10 in a row to end last season. And then coming into this year, just got waxed. They were never in that game against the Packers. Again, Fields has been injured. Fields has had bad coaching. Fields has had a bad offensive line. So that might just be it. But I'm still waiting on the day where I look at a Bears game and go, right, that's the guy. I'm I'm just, I have yet to see that. When we return, NFL owners in a litigation crosshairs. Everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 